it's all about opening doors for a patient. There is a lot of research done that shows that patients that are involved in their decision-making have better outcome. So we should not forget it. Us taking charge over our life, over the decision, by itself promises us a better outcome. I think, you know, mind and, and body connection is real. Hi, I'm Sylvia Beckerman. Join me today as I talk to an extraordinary woman who is changing the world by making a difference in her life and the lives of those around her. Hey, everybody. My name is Sophia Bader. I'm a mother of three girls, two dogs and one cat. And I'm the founder and CEO of Trajectory, which I'll tell you all about, and a cancer survivor. And welcome to Sylvia and me. Sylvia, thank you so much for joining me today. And I definitely want to go into your story, which is a journey that started in 2013 and brought you up to something in 2018, um, which has revolutionized the way people think about cancer and clinical trials. So why don't we start with your journey that started back in 2013? Thank you for that. Yes. So I was a techie, techie all my life, busy working, was involved in a startup at the time, not time to myself, three young girls. My my youngest daughter was uh, a year old at the time. Um, when I got diagnosed with uh, metastatic cancer. So, and it came out of the blue. It's, you know, sometimes uh, you get diagnosed when you feel sick, when you, when you have a concern. In my case, it, the thought did not cross my mind um, that that's what I'm dealing with. Um, but from the moment you hear those words and we all fear them, right? Every fear time them. Absolutely, absolutely fear them. Exactly. Like it's the thing that comes to mind every time you're not feeling well, every time something is off, you sort of like terrified that this is what you're going to be told. Um, and for me, I wasn't foreigner to cancer. I lost my mom to cancer 20 years ago. But so when I heard those words, you have cancer, I, I, I realized that, you know, I need a better outcome than my mom and, and things need to be different for me. And, and I kind of also assumed that, you know, being in the tech industry all my life, that okay, I have cancer. Let me go online. Let me find out my option. Let me make a decision how to handle it. Let me start my journey and, and, and get myself a better outcome. That's kind of where my mindset is. It's a fight. I can do it and do what I do all best, right? Go online and find, find what's out there for me. Um, yeah, and, and you once, I've heard you, um, say that when you were doing that, you kind of compared it to when you look for a new house, you go on Zillow, when you look for, you know, whether you, and, and you have a real estate agent, like you had an oncologist who gave you the diagnosis, but we still, um, especially someone uh, like you, wants more answers. And people do, they'll, they'll go to a Zillow, a kayak and, and so on. And so you went online and you started Googling. My search. Yes, exactly. your search, your journey. Exactly. And like you said, we're so used to seeing our option. So I started my journey. And, and I've realized two things. I've realized on the one hand, I could find a lot of different 
innovation and, and drugs names and, and realizing that there is a lot going on when it comes to cancer care. So unlike my mom's day when there was only chemo and radiation, there is so much more coming into place in terms of targeted therapy, immunotherapy, a lot of interesting buzzwords. But what I've also realized that I have no clue what of everything out there is relevant for me. That is a truly an option for me, which basically meant because the, the medical language was complex and everything comes with this list of who is rel- who's what this treatment is. This treatment is relevant to this type of person who has this type of disease. We've been through that. And it, it was it didn't mean much to me, which kind of left me feeling kind of helpless and a little bit defeated because I I knew that again I'm going back to a place that the only one who can tell me my option is my oncologist so I need to trust my entire outcome at one person and as much as I might appreciate them there's a limit to what he might know there's a limit to how much attention he can give me understand me and my preference and let's be honest it's a business oncology is a big business so he also has his agenda and we know it and people don't understand that you go to an oncologist and you get a diagnosis with the word cancer in it. Most people freak. Um, and they, unless they're desperate or they're, they're very, um, they're like you are, they want information. Uh, they'll listen to whatever their oncologist says because Doctors are supposed to be trusted. And this one person has given them that diagnosis. So your search led you to unintelligible wording that, you know, people in the tech world have different uh, words for stuff that us just regular folks wouldn't understand. And oncology and medicine has wording that somebody as bright as you didn't understand because you're not a doctor. Because I'm not, exactly. And it's not intended to me. And I'll tell you a little secret. Even some of the doctor I spoke to, they don't always get it. Like it's so complex, the research and and the world that not always they, they get it. But I think what's important is to say, you can trust your oncologist, you can doubt your oncologist, but you can never put your entire life in the hand of one person. You have to acknowledge he has limitation. Just to, there is 19,000 oncology trials going on in the world right now. So think about it, 19,000. Do you really expect one oncologist to be familiar with each of them? And for for each of them, like we said, there is a list of eligibility criteria, meaning like who's the patient that they're looking for of around 30 or 40. So he needs to know 19,000 different trials with 2,000 approved drugs. And for each of them, the list of who's the allele patient and in real time tell us this is an option for us, it's not realistic to expect that of them. And, and, it's, more, and it's more than that. You have to understand that you, you need to own your journey, like anything else in life, right? We don't outsource major decision. You don't let, like we go back to buying a house, which I think, you know, it's not the same as, as finding a uh, terminal disease like cancer, but it's a, a significant decision in life. You know, we buying a house, taking a mortgage. Would you let your real estate agent just tell you which house to buy and at what price and just sign here? You'll never dream about it, right? You're going to shop around. You're going to negotiate. You want him to show you option. You want him to show you like what others in the area did. 
So why do we completely outsource the fight for our life? I, you know, when you think about it rationally, it should not be the case. It was the case until now because, like we, like we, you and I just said, it's complicated, and we're not doctors and definitely not oncologists. They go to school for seven years, so we don't understand the lingo, we don't understand the space, so we don't have the tools to actually assess anything. So we outsource it for them. So how did you go from realizing that your oncologist was the only person to discovering anything else? So like anything, like anything else in life, just because I didn't have my choice. So, you know, I, I met this one oncologist that, that was as arrogant as can be. After that, spend after waiting three hours to meet with him, spend a total of five minutes with me, um, and told me that you know I'm not doing too well, which was like thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> nice uh, bedside manner. Yeah, exactly. And that he might have one option for me, but let's see. He needs to first make sure he didn't metastasize to the brain. So I looked at my husband and said, I'm not staying here because he didn't listen to me. I don't know what he knows. Why does he have one option? So it was clear to me, this is not, so I was pushed to the corner, right? I didn't want to, I didn't want to trust him to take, to give me the best shot in it. Um, so I, I live by Manhattan and I knew that there is this really good research center in the city and, and I have good health insurance. So I went there. So I relocated my case. That was the first step. I relocated my case. I went there. I met this really amazing oncologist that, you know, at the end of the day, I owe him my life. And, and he recommended, he gave me a few more options that started, I felt like, Oh, that's good. But then I asked him a very simple question. I asked him, is what you're offering me is the best out of everything out there? Meaning you did the homework, right? You did right. the research. You're telling me this is the best or what you're selling me. And I'm sorry for using the word selling, but it is, is all only stuff that exists here. And if I'll go to another hospital, I'll get a different option. And a third, like, am I supposed to be shopping around right now? Or have you done the legwork for me and I can trust you to give me the best out of everything out there? And his answer was truthful and painful. It was, it, I can only offer you what's here and what's here and I'm aware of. So all of a sudden you realize that when you need the best ammunition, right? I need the iPhone 15 in my in my disposal in order to win. I'm actually getting a subset of a subset of a subset. So that's where it's clicked that I need to do something different. And um, I start. I took the first. So that was lesson number one. This lesson number two is when I went to this really cutting edge research institution. I've learned that in order to get the best, most innovative treatment out there, they're in clinical trials. So I always thought like clinical trial is the last resort, right? Right. When they, when they, You're when guinea the pig, supposedly. Exactly, supposedly. And when the medicine world has nothing to offer you, they'll offer you what they don't know if it's going to work, but they don't have anything better. So what you learn when you go to those places is actually it's the opposite. Actually, what's in clinical trial right now represent the most innovative research ideas, the most advanced one. And in cancer, it gives you better outcome. If you think about it, it's very similar to what we experienced this last year over COVID, right? If you had COVID, you wanted to be in a clinical trials for the drug because like what was out there was not working. So in cancer, it's very similar. Majority of the stuff that are approved, we know is limited, is not working fairly 
terribly good. We know from the statistic. We also know they have big side effects. So chemo and radiation are things that have been around since the 50s. Uh, and, and we know that they make you almost sicker than, than um, the disease. And what's currently is in different phases in clinical trials are immunotherapy, targeted therapy. Those are things that have been researched for a long time and overall it'd be showing to be very effective. And, and, and you know, they're being taken from one cancer type to the other. So it's not that they, they, there is no data to collaborate or no logic to use them. So I've learned this would give me the best outcome. So I started my journey by saying, okay, I'll take, I'll join this clinical trial while I'm going to continue looking and making sure that I have a bucket list, knowing that cancer is a journey. So I'm going to start with that, hoping it's going to work. But if it's not, then I have options. In my case, the first one did not work, which by the way, is very common. You'll hear people with cancer, the first line of treatment doesn't work. It doesn't matter if it's clinical trials or approved, it didn't work. And at that point, I was just like, okay, so now I'm going to plan B. I'm not going to just look under the the hood, right? I need to know that there's, I'm choosing the best out of everything out there. And I actually started asking friends around, which is so common to cancer patients. Like, do you know anybody who can help me find (laughs) my option? And you sort of try to activate your network and finding. So via my friend's network, I ended up with some meeting someone who became a really good friend of mine and actually my co-founder, we became partners in building trajectory. And she did her, she did her postdoc in NYU, her PhD and postdoc in NYU in cancer research. So she became kind of my advisor and I've asked her to help me search around this database of of trials that the FDA has and, and publication of approved drugs and help me read what I couldn't read. And, and, and see what's what's relevant for me and explain that to me. Um, and that's how come I found trial number two that looked very promising. And I actually had the year and a half of quiet time. And then the cancer came back, which they tend to. Um, and I joined trial number three. So as you can see, I was still persistent. I was like, <laughs> I think my cancer, you know how they say a dog is become similar to the owners or the owner is similar to the dog. In my case, I feel like the cancer was very similar to my attitude and was extremely stubborn. Um, so then I made the choice of, of treatment number three, that was again, a clinical trial. And I think the story behind it is also interesting in terms of you as a patient has choices because at that point, I was giving two options, and there was an argument between the, the two, my surgeon oncologist and my oncologist. And, and basically, it was up to me to, to go through one treatment or choose the other. And, and you know, I knew that the, cho- the one treatment was much more aggressive, will have much more, more side effects, will get me off balance for maybe a little, a little bit longer. But for me, it was like, okay, I'm going aggressive now. This thing has been coming back and back. I need to go aggressive. I know that I have high tolerance to pain. I want to do it and give it a better shot of like getting and, and coming out of the um, coming out of it clean for for a change. And and that's what I've done. So it was my decision. What kind of tolerance of pain do I have? How aggressive do I want to go? Or I rather something that is more mild for a longer time. And I think. That's what people need to know. There is options and, and you need to make decisions that are right for you as a patient. But 
in order to make all of it, you need to be familiar with what to option, understand it. And then you can participate in the decision making and not just let your oncologist decide for you. Okay. So you were persistent. You were not giving up. You were not going to let cancer defeat you. You also were your own advocate. And it wasn't that you didn't trust your oncologist. Well, the first one was, you know, forget him. But you had others. There was no real central place and didn't to get this information. And did you not then say to your husband, complain about the fact that there is no central place for this information? Exactly. What did he tell you to do? To go ahead and build it. Like, And what did you do? I went ahead and built it. So it's very funny. So I finished my treatment in and got my clean uh, scan in, in March. And then in May, I invited Avital, the lady that was assisting me uh, for this research for brunch. And she felt like I'm inviting her to brunch, you know, to say thank you, to celebrate the fact that I got my clean scan. And I sat there and I looked at her and I said, listen, I think we need to duplicate you for every cancer patient out there. And she looked at me and she was just like, what? And I said, listen, no one should fight this alone. So we all, you need your caregiver and your supporting family, which I had my husband, um, and you need a great oncologist in your hand, by your side, which like you said, I had a great oncologist. I, I love him to pieces. I still love him to pieces and, and trust him. I did not doubt at him, but I needed to help him and we needed to do it as a team in order to win it. And, 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 I, and I said, but you also need an, we also need a smart resource. You need a platform that will help you find your voice, find your treatment option, understand them. So then you can teamwork with your oncologist and make the right decision for you. And I said, let's build it. Well, I know. And she looked at me with this belief, but obviously she, now she believes. Okay. And Time selected Trialjectory, which is the name of the company, which is an AI powered clinical trial match matching platform for one of its 100 best inventions of 2020. So tell us exactly what the purpose of trialjectory is. How do you do it? It's one thing to have a great centralized database, but you actually want patients, people, regular people who have no lingo in all of the medical terminology to be able to get the ammunition to speak to their doctor, to take a role in their treatment, in their survival. Exactly. So and uh, and and by the way, today we're actually got the recognition also my face from fast company for world changing ideas. So uh, it's, it's really, yeah, it's exciting. Congratulations. Mazel tov. Thank Great. you. That's, that's absolutely sensational. So, so, so like you said, what's, what's the platform and what's the idea? Like I've mentioned, we want to be the Zillow for, for patient, for cancer patient. I want to be the place that they can go and see all treatment options for themselves and just building a centralized database where you go and search does not help you. Cause what does it help me if I have, if I put in, 
you know, the FDA have tried it. If I put in breast cancer and I get 3,000 trials, it's meaningless, <laughs> right? I'm not really a fit for 3,000 trials. Um, and I don't need to, and I don't, I don't need to tackle it. So what we've built is we build an artificial intelligent engine. Now, you know, a lot of people in the tech world use artificial intelligence and a lot of us more simple people get a little bit scared by not understanding what does it mean. Uh, so artificial intelligent engine just means that we can train a system to do the heavy lifting manual work. So if there is 3,000 protocols of clinical trials for breast cancer, we can have the machine read through them and basically structure them and understand them. So in a way, if we had a, a group of 3,000 oncologists read through them, that's what we did. We created a machine that can read through them, which then allow us to have a patient come in and tell us about herself or himself and about his journey, about his cancer, treatment history, overall health, basically build his profile, um, tell his preference. At the end of this, which is a process that in our introjector will take you five minutes, at the end of it, you'll get matched to treatment, meaning the machine read through who you are and what's your, what's your prof medical information and match it to the treatments that are right for you. So something that will take an oncologist a week, take the machine five minutes. So at the end of it, you get a list and the list already is what's right for you. So in five minutes, you see your option. So that's step number one, though. It's not enough. Now, like you said, I don't want you to just have a list of options that are meaningless for you. I want you to have a list of options that mean something for you. So the next thing we did is train the machine to curate the information for patient-friendly language. So to basically present the treatment in a way that we will understand it. So know if all the medical buzzwords or research buzzwords, but actually tell us it's an immunotherapy combination with chemotherapy. And to tell us what we care about, how many, how is the treatment given? How many times will I get the treatment? What's the goal of the study? Extend life, reduce side effect. Where is it running? Does it have a, does it have a, where, where, where does it running? So basically all the information we care about in order to better understand it. And then we also rate it for you. So let's assume you have five or six options. And we know that today, combination of therapy gives better outcome than single therapy. So, so the combination will be higher at the list. And we know that targeted, meaning that it goes after a specific mutation in your body, is better than a generic one. So it'll get higher. So we let the machine do all the legwork and give you like a list that all of a sudden makes sense, that all of a sudden the list of options. And then from there, there's two things you can do. And you could, and probably you should do both. A, we have a team in place that are there to help you understand. If you want more explanation, what's the clinical logic behind it? Did, was it tried on, is it approved for another cancer type? But, or I'm not sure I understand it. Can you explain to me again how this drugs work and why, why does it work for my type of cancer? We have a team there that is able to talk you through and explain. And also you can, you should and can share it with your oncologist. So share it with him and, and see what he says. What does he think? We had a patient that, you know, came to the, her oncologist the day she was supposed to start chemo, but she was concerned. She had a recurrence. She felt like if the chemo didn't work the first time, why would it work again? So the same morning she came with her bag for the chemo and came with this list. And her oncologist looked at it and said, wow, that makes more sense. It's a chemo with immunotherapy. So you have nothing to lose, only to gain. We 
we double we team double against the cancer. Let's do the trial instead of you starting the standard chemo. Other patients might not feel completely okay with their oncologist. They're not sure they, that they can trust their opinion. Then they can, we can help set them in the site where the trial is running so they can meet another oncologist that specializes and hear what he has to say. It's all about opening doors for a patient. Most and definitely. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you're, you're talking about arming yourself with information, with information that is backed up and I know that so many people are, would probably be feel intimidated to take this to their oncologist, especially when none of this has been suggested to them. How do you tell somebody that, well, wait a minute, your scope of knowledge may only be this, but take a look at what I've you know, found out. I, I am my own advocate. That's got to be so difficult for so many people to actually take that step and say, look, I know you told me like that woman, I needed, you know, more chemo. We know it's not working. Look what I found. I dug in. I did research. I did real research. It's backed by technology. It's backed by, um, and, you know, it, it's backed by research. It's real. And they're not only taking a role as as you've said is so important in their own well-being but they're also kind of educating their oncologist their their provider that no it's not just you know it's not just abc it's almost the whole alphabet how i mean is there a way of really getting people to understand that they need to be their own advocate. They really, it's, it's okay to question. I think, it, I think it's an extremely important question and a point that you're raising. I, I, I'm gonna, we, we need to look at it from several angles. A, we cannot let fear determine our outcome, right? And, and if we want, we cannot be the fact that we're afraid of our oncologist or, you know, afraid of hurting his feeling, determine the outcome for us. We're fighting for something bigger here now. We're fighting for our life. So we have to understand that with all the respect to the feeling of the oncologist, if they will be offended by us coming to them with additional options, that maybe they're not the right one for us. Exactly. Maybe the ego is the, you need to make sure that ego is not the driver. If they're offended by me offering, giving them additional, like you said, educating them about what's out there, giving them, showing them that there is additional option to treat me, then it means that they're driven by their ego and not my best interest at heart. And do I really want someone who doesn't have my best interest at heart take care of me? That's what you need to ask yourself. And by the way, when they did a survey with, with, um, with oncologists, majority of them did say that they would love to teamwork with their patient. And they, they do appreciate patient coming in and, and giving them more option because they are aware of their limited time and ex to expose themselves and to research per patient. So I think we will find that some oncologists embrace it and those that don't, like we said, I challenge you to ask yourself, do they have the best, my best interests at heart? And more importantly, by the way, 
there is a lot of research done that shows that patients that are involved in their decision-making have better outcome. So we should not forget it. Us taking charge over our life, over the decision, by itself promise us a better outcome. I think, you know, mind and, and body connection is real. It's, it, it's, it's very true. Um, so clinical trials, you know, most of us think of it as something not only as we talked about at the beginning that is a last resort, but we also think of it that you have to be a special person in order to be able to get into the clinical trial, that there's some magic of getting in. And um, that really isn't true, is it? Not at all. Not at all. The reason that so little of patient got into clinical trial is, is going back to what we said, accessibility. If doctors don't know about it and they're not offering it to us, we can't be, then we don't know about it and we, we don't participate in them. Today in oncology, um, clinical trials has been recognized by the NCN, NCCN, which is basically the Bible of oncologists as the best management for patients. So it's been shown to the majority of the cancer type to give us better outcome. And it doesn't require any unique personality or capability. Like we say that the art is just because each trial have a very specific set of attributes of criteria of who is the ideal patient or who is the legit patient for that. So there is no magic. All, all we need is to create this match between your medical profile and the clinical profile of the trials. Once we've done that, um, you, that's it, you're in. The advantage of clinical trial, by the way, from a patient perspective, is not only you get the access to the most advanced treatment, you're actually being monitored more carefully because the pharma is paying for it and not the insurance. So you're being monitored more carefully, the level of care is a little bit better. So there is actually a lot of advantage from a patient perspective to be part of a clinical trial versus the standard of care. You know, you just mentioned something. The farmers are are paying for it. Uh, not farmers, the pharma pharmaceutical yeah, farmers, companies. Pharmaceutical. <laughs> Most people will automatically go to their insurance company, and they're told <clears throat> they can't. You know, they're not going to be covered by insurance for it. So people will step back. Yeah, which is wrong. Which is not the case. That's the whole. So once you're in clinical trials your insurance will only have to cover the regular test that you would have gotten anyway. All the extra care, the extra testing and the cost of the drug is on the pharmaceutical company. They're paying for it. And by the way, a lot of the time, if there is additional things that the insurance is not willing to pay or there is additional cost in terms of travel and lodging, they might be able, some of them will be able and willing to cover those as well for the from the patient uh, perspective. So there is no, there is no uh, financial incentive to participate in a trial and should never be, right. but, but there is no barrier from a financial point of view and coverage point of view to participate in it either. Now, I know that um, you've, how did you finance? I'm just gonna come right out and ask you, how did you finance this, uh, you know, you were startup, uh, what you're talking about is, is a lot that goes into it. How was this financed? So we started what's called bootstrapping, which basically the four of us, I, you know, I, I mentioned Avital, I also have two more partners, Noam and, and Guy, 
that build the technology and the platform with just the four of us working on it and building it ourselves to see that we can do it and make it work. Once we saw that it's actually working, we went to the tech industry venture capital and basically asked them to invest in us and believe in us that we can make this work and that we can make good in this world and make a significant change. And we also show them the, and, and so that's how we started. And we are backed by uh, VC money, as they call it. Um, and, and what we show them that we can make and bring value to patients and actually give it as a free service to patients so they don't have to pay because we know that the cost of being cancer patient, right now it's the number one uh, reason for personal bankruptcy, right? You cannot work anymore. You have so many medical bills that are accumulating um, and it's a scary period. So it was very clear for us from the get-go that we are not gonna charge patient for it. But like we said, this from a patient perspective, finding the right treatment is a black box. It's from the pharmaceutical perspective, finding the right patient is, always, is also a black box. And we felt like if we go to them and we give them information we give them patient, we give them information around patient, not individually, but we teach them and we let them see how the patient journey looks like. What is the barriers from a patient perspective? Where is the discrepancy between how they look and design a drug and a trial versus the real life and the real world data of patients? Where our patients are versus where the hospital that they're distributing uh, and running the trials? That's worth a lot of money for them because it helps them expedite, reduce operational costs. It helps them expedite time to market and they're willing to pay us for that. So it's kind of a win-win for us. Well, when it's not just a win-win for you. It's a win-win for all patients diagnosed with that, that awful, awful word with the letter C, cancer. Exactly. Um, I mean, look what you're what you've invented um, and it's free. You're giving people the, the knowledge all in one area as to how they can have, you're empowering these people to take a role in their own survival. Exactly. And I think it's important to also say that we're really about giving you your entire option. So we, we talked a lot about the clinical trials because we honestly believe it's it's unmet need of patient. But we will share, when you come to the platform, you are actually going to be able to see other patients like you, their journey. So again, not individual, okay. not name, but you know, you'll be able to see what treatment they've received and what was the outcome for them. So you kind of see all your care options. So the approved drugs, you see the clinical trials and you get a really good view. If my doctor say, no, no, you don't need a clinical trial here, go on Kitruda. You And you also see that, you know, 60% of the patients with exactly the same profile of you, not just really personalized, have received Kitruda, but you know, 45% of them has disease progression, 12% of them had toxicity from the drug, then all of a sudden you realize it's not a, you know, it's not necessarily prom giving you a better odds than something else. You all of a sudden have a lot of data points to assess your option and make a decision about what makes most sense for you. And that's what we're about. Your journey, your treatment, your decision as a patient. Well, and it all started from you looking for 
options, not answers so much, but options. Exactly. Where you could make the decision and talk to your oncologist and, and, and educate. Because as he said, all he knew, you asked him that very specific question. The options that he was giving you, were they the only options? They were the options that the facility that he was associated with, those were the options that they had. What else is out there? And he didn't know. So you have built with um, with your other co-founder, trial trajectory, and as you just said, it's not it's not just the clinical trials, but you're also educating people on other other people who have similar um, the, you know have the similar type of cancer that they have, and what has worked and what hasn't. So it's not that you're pushing people to clinical trials. You're, you're giving them as much, much information as they could possibly find, which they wouldn't have found in a language that they could understand. So it seems like you've actually done quite a bit. Is there anything else on, is there another goal for trial trajectory for the company? Are you sticking to this? And there's so much more that you can do with it. Oh, there's still, the goal is still up there. There's still a lot we need to do to achieve the goal. I really want to be the go-to place. So I want to be able to show you all options. So first of all, we are now supporting 12 indication cancer type. There is more that we need. And we're adding new ones every month or so to the platform. Um, I want to be able to give you more information. So if it's a trial, we will be able to show you if it's a phase three, what happened in previous phases, what happened on, on uh, what was the result in other indication that it was this. So we're all about, like you said, information in a way that I understand that empower me to understand my options and giving you approved drugs and then what is called repurposed drugs. So drugs that are being approved for other maybe cancer type, but for the same profile as you, because we know now there is more and more similarities between in, in terms of behaviors of specific cancer types across cancer type. So basically open a world open a world of options to patients. That's where I want to be. Okay. So um I'm not going to ask you some of the typical typical questions, words of wisdoms that you would give people, because I think we've been talking about them all along, and that is take control of your own life, of your own, of what's going on with your body. Um, Take control. So what do you do for downtime? Listen, I don't have a lot of downtime, and I have three girls that are kind of getting into the teenage phase of their life. So the joy is not there. Um, I I do enjoy pre-COVID to travel and read. Uh, Travel was pre-COVID, read I still enjoy. Uh, But it's funny. And I think, you know, you you can relate to that. When you build something that you're so passionate about, it's not just a job and it's not just a company. This is a mission for me. Uh, So for me, it's doing it all day is what my girls blame me for, <laughs> but I enjoy most. So like every time I have a little bit of time, should I just sit down or should I do something, another idea or improve the platform, help and talk, reach out to another 
patient, partner, physician. Uh, so my work is my my downtime as well. And I think, you know, today more than any any day, I just read an article about how because of COVID, the numbers of uh, misdiagnosed and late diagnosed of cancer patients are on the rise. And, you know, even pre-COVID, it was already one out of four men and one out of five women. So cancer is more common than we would love to, would like to admit. And now it's even worse. So what I encourage everybody is those who didn't get tested, you know, defer their mammogram, colonoscopy, blood works, go get tested. Make sure that you do go back to your routine testing. Do what you need to do in order to make sure that you're in good health and you're not missing anything. That's the only like words of wisdom I can give anybody. <laughs> they're, fa- they're fabulous words of wisdom. So what is the uh, website? So the website is trajectory.com, www.trajectory.com, <laughs> of course. Uh, and if you know of any, hopefully if you are fighting cancer, someone you loved fighting cancer, someone you know of, send them to our website. We're there to help them. Someone called, one of the patients uh, referred to us as their virtual bodies. So this is what we're there for, to help patients and help hold their hand and help them navigate through this really complex journey. And hopefully meet them at the other side, healthy. Well, Sylvia, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to really, um, not just for today, but for everything you're doing and for educating, helping to educate people that they really can um, take hold of their life and decisions about their health and you've given them a platform where it's it's all there and you keep building on it. So thank you. And I thank you for everyone who, who was going this, who going through this and, and really um, should go up on your website. Thank you, Sylvie, so much. Thank you for your time today. I really my, appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, please share it with another person you think would be interested. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. Join me next week when I talk to another extraordinary, inspiring woman. This has been a Life of Prey production.